0: Good afternoon, church. Welcome to the Eternity Life Podcast. My name is Pastor Daniel, and this is episode eight Energy, the Poker Effect, and Miracles. Last podcast, I spoke to you about the project I'm working on called The Five Ways We Live Forever. And this is one of those five ways. As a recap, I mentioned the five ways you live forever are energy, time, voice, love, and soul. Today we're going to talk about energy. I said that already you are eternal. That That's both religious language and scientific language. And every part of your body, every cell, nucleus, atom, and subatomic particle of what makes you you is eternal. As far as we know, it has lived since the beginning, over 13 billion years ago when a singularity produced an extremely improbable chain of events that led to an expanding universe in microseconds, and an even more improbably created a solar system that could have a planet one day be teeming with life. Perhaps even still less probable that at least one such form of life would evolve in a way to become self-aware, known in some religious communities as the Great Emergence. How many times can we use the words extremely improbable to discuss our existence before the word miracle feels a little more like le mot juste? Albert Einstein says, either nothing in the universe is a miracle or everything is. Some may say that calling life a miracle is perhaps coloring too rosy of a picture on random chance that has worked out in humanity's favor. Some might say that we read too much into our near-miraculous existence, that we are an inevitability. Inside of an ever-expanding multiverse, it was bound to happen that something would grow somewhere. And I want you listeners to know that I am very pro-science. I didn't know that was something religious people had to say, but these days, apparently it is. I trust Scientists. I trust the scientific method that things can be rigorously peer reviewed in journals. I trust our medical professionals who are doing what they can to bring integrity to everything they do. I am in awe of the scientific community, how scientists work to remain objective, how often scientists are willing to drop previously held ideas when they get new information. I wish the religious communities could do that. Science gives us so many great tools for our toolbox, scientific method, where you come up with a hypothesis and you test it. You can do things to make them more academically rigorous, such as have a control group or a double-blind study where those administering the study don't know which group is which. You can publish your findings and have them peer-reviewed. And finally, you can wait for someone else to test your hypothesis. And draw the same conclusions. Science works really well for lots of things. And one of the things that it works really well is explaining physics' cause and effect for us. When things are testable, they can become knowable. Of course, the problem and, and maybe the opportunity for religious communities is for all the things that we don't know. Things we can't test. Like, why? Did the Big Bang happen? We don't know. Why were we created? We don't know. Was Jesus raised from the dead? We don't know. What is our purpose? We don't know. What will happen next? Just don't know. Science works really well to test the things that can be tested. And yet, when we look at our lives, we see so much that's untestable. And for lots of the big questions of life, proofs aren't as helpful as faith. We don't live in a vacuum. There's no control group for you. Our lives aren't static. We have seemingly infinite number of variables. Our outcomes are not verifiable. On some level, we must choose to believe that life either has a design to it or it doesn't. Either everything is a miracle or nothing is. But one of the things that we do know, and and perhaps the reason for this particular episode of the podcast, is thanks to science, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We live in a universe that seemingly holds true to cause and effect, which leads us back to the eternity life, to the five ways we live forever, and for today's podcast on energy. You, dear listeners, have energy. You actually might say, scientifically speaking, you are energy. You know, your body is amazing. Did you know your body makes use of mechanical energy, chemical energy, heat energy, and even solar energy when we take vitamin from the sun to grow our bones? You are a big old ball of energy. And however you see your existence... We can all agree that we have some actionable steps. We have agency in our lives. Our lives aren't predetermined. We have actions to perform in them. We have energy. We have the ability to cause things to happen. We can make things. We can tear things down. Our bodies are energy, which is power to do something. It's a power we all have. Our energy is real. Now, I have a little bit of a confession for you, and some of you who know me well, this isn't a surprise, but for some, it's always funny when I say, I love to play poker. I actually play a lot of poker in Las Vegas. Maybe not a sentence you expect to hear from a pastor, but what can I say? It's part of who I am. It's part of what makes me, me. I've been playing poker since before I was a pastor, so there you go. For a long time, I've studied poker fairly extensively, as well as blackjack. I learned to count cards and read pot odds. I used this to influence the system with which I bet. But the truth is, playing the game is more fun than following the algorithm. You see, what makes life interesting is to take gambles. It's part of the fun to put your energy into it. Otherwise, you're just a robot. And no matter the system, whenever you're gambling, the Whatever the situation is, it causes you to play in a new way. For instance, when I have a lot of chips playing poker, we play more hands. If the other players are playing loose, we get more aggressive. When the chips are down, you have to pick your moment. And as things go on, you adapt, you act, and you react. You are a dancer in the great dance of the cosmos. You you are a participant. You are an actor. You have energy for the moment. And here's one of the things that really kind of blows my mind about the cause and effect of poker. After a couple hours of sitting at the poker table, Mother Nature sends me to the bathroom. I make sure that I'm out of the hand and past the blinds and I excuse myself. And if another hand starts before I return, the dealer simply skips me or deals me out. But here's the kicker. Because I am not there, every other hand at the table is different. My presence and my absence are both felt by the others at the table. If I had stayed, perhaps I would have drawn an ace and a seven of hearts. But since I was gone, the ace went to the player to my left, giving him pocket aces. Maybe he wins the high hand of the hour. And maybe he takes that money and he goes and he buys an engagement ring and he proposes to his girlfriend and they conceive a child that night. Does that sound far-fetched to you? Well, it's not. Because each of our tiny actions send ripples throughout the cosmos. We change the universe every day. Someone always buys a lottery ticket right behind, right in front of someone else. You pass a 10-car pile-up that would have been you. If you hadn't stopped for gas, you call a friend you've been thinking of, and it just so happens they needed that phone call. Knowing that my participation in the hand creates the outcome for whomever wins makes me feel powerful and small all at the same time because my presence and my absence matter. And think about this my one trip to the bathroom has changed every other hand at the table. For the rest of the night. Sure, the cards will be placed in a shuffling machine in between each hand. But two cards will be in different places with me gone, and will be shuffled differently until the sun comes up and the game dies down. The next day, the new dealer will bring out a new deck and start over. And here's where the analogy ends. Because God's universe does not bring out a new deck for tomorrow. Everything that I do today will slightly but definitely alter the course of history tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Everything we do has causality. It has repercussions. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And your dynamic energy, dear listener, has the power to alter the universe. And And we don't live static. We live Dynamic which is really an unusual thing in this universe. You ever heard of Halley's Comet? Did you know that Halley never actually saw Halley's Comet? Halley predicted correctly the path because the comet orbits the Earth in the exact same path and Halley predicted it and it followed that predictable trajectory and passed by the Earth in the manner in which Haley had predicted it, so they named it after him. But we are not so predictable. We don't simply orbit. We're not just stuck in gravity. We have life and agency. We influence others, and they influence us. Unlike nearly everything else in the universe, we are not predictable. We have choice, and that is what makes us alive in the eternity life. We have actions, and they change everything that happens after you. Now, you could see this as the kind of news that would cripple you. It could make you stay home and deny yourself moving through the world. If I never sit down at the poker table, you think, then I won't affect anyone or anything And everyone else will be better off. But that is the real lie. Because so little of the universe actually has agency, the fact that you do means so much more. And of course, it doesn't work. You can't opt out of your life. You have family, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have community, you eat food that came from somewhere, you participate in an economy, you vote, please vote, you drive, you smile, and you die. You can't stop your impact on the world. Just like footprints on the moon, your footprint is forever on the earth. And after the earth is gone, your footprint extends into the universe. You matter. Your energy matters. Of course, the Bible offers us good news for our energy. Jesus tells a really funny parable about two brothers who both lie to their dad in Matthew 21. The dad asked them both to go work in the vineyard. One says he will not go, but then he goes. The other one says that he will, and then he doesn't. Jesus asks the crowd which one that God prefers, and they say the one who went. Even though his words were wrong, the one who still went, at least he showed up, at least he took some action, some agency. And Jesus tells us that God prefers that we show up even if we said that we wouldn't. (laughs) And I know, believe me, I know, you don't always feel like showing up. You don't always feel it. Sometimes we don't want to go to work. Sometimes you're not sure if there's anything for you to do that would leave a good lasting impact. One of my mantras is this. You don't have to move on, but you do have to move I spent a summer as a hospital chaplain dealing with the various situations of trauma, pain, and loss. As a pastor, I have held friends' hands during several sad and horrible situations. Losing someone like a spouse or a child is horrible, worse than dying yourself. And to them I say, you don't have to move on, but you do have to move. One day, I performed a graveside funeral for a young woman who had cancer and went quickly. We'll call her Lisa. I spoke of her loss of life as a tragedy and admitted that I often had a tough time when God takes away those too young. The mother of the newly departed came up to me and asked me for a copy of the sermon that I had preached. I gave her my copy from my notebook, and I didn't think anything of it. Then two weeks later, I received a letter in the mail from Virginia State Penitentiary. It was Lisa's father. He told me that the sermon I preached that day had made its way to him and that it had touched him and it made him feel like he had raised a kind daughter. His life wasn't a total waste. After all, he had helped raise this daughter, this person for whom we we had just lifted up. He said, her life and death made him want to lead a better life. The words spoken at her death made him want to lead a new life, even though he wasn't even there at the funeral to hear those words. But Lisa's mother put energy into making sure those words got to Jim, and new life was given to a man in a prison cell. The letter didn't get to Lisa's dad because of random chance. It got to Lisa's dad because of energy. Our lives have far-reaching implications. And the gospel tells us that the resurrection means even death can bring on new life. You have power, friends of the podcast. You have energy. And the ways we use it live forever. And that shouldn't be a warning to us as much as it is an invitation, for we know that all of our actions, when they go awry, can be forgiven. That new life is offered to everyone who asks for it. But like throwing a stone in an endless pond, our work, our play, and our helping others sends waves throughout the universe. Like nothing else in the universe, we can act and participate because everything is a miracle. We all have a hand that we've been dealt. And I don't know about you, but I'm all in on the eternity life. Are you? Amen. <music>